Welcome back to the Lost in Translations podcast after a bit of a break. Yes. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back, Michael. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. I don't know what you've been doing. I've been hassling you for months. <laughs> it's called procrastination. But we need to get back into the habit. I yes. think I've just been slack. I want to blame the pandemic, but it's probably just me. <laughs> well, I feel like the pandemic is the... You I mean, noble. If you're not used to it now... We should be used to it. Yeah. We read a book in September for the podcast. Yes. That we were going to do an episode on. The Copenhagen Trilogy. Yeah, by... Tuve Dilston. Yes, translated by... It's translated by Tina Nunley and Michael Favor Goodman. Yeah. I think he... Like, I think Michael He did, did the last one? The first and the last, I believe. Oh, the first and the last one. Yeah, and I think Tina did the second. Why is that? I have no idea. Okay. I think that's how it worked, but I could be wrong. Yes, and she. I think I read that she was described as like the Ferrante of Danish literature. But it was a fascinating book. It would have made it for an interesting podcast. Yes, but that was September. Yeah, do you remember anything about it? I remember. I really enjoyed the first two parts. The childhood and the youth. And youth. Childhood, youth, and marriage. No. Dependency. Dependency. But it, then in the original Danish, I think it was the word that is the same for marriage as well as poison. Yes. Which I thought was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but her marriages were quite poisonous. So yeah. I found the early stuff, I mean, not too relatable because, you know, it was like pre-World War Two, and she's in... Denmark, Denmark, and obviously it's different to now to an extent. Yes. But I found the experience of childhood to be quite relatable. Yeah. And youth, but I found her marriage marriage story not as relatable for me. You don't have a drug addiction. No, I don't. That's probably why. But maybe that's why I should have found it more interesting. And do you have a gaslighting husband? No, not usually. I tried not to. I can't even remember all the husbands she had. There was a doctor. The one that got her addicted? Yeah. Are we giving out spoilers? She was writing the prescriptions. Wasn't she faking the prescriptions? I don't remember. I remember there was something. I think the first time they got it on, he gave her drugs to make her feel good. And she was like, I like this drug, so I'm just going to keep sleeping with him. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, it didn't end well. No, I did not. Are there more books after that that haven't been translated yet? I think she wrote a lot of fiction. I don't mm. know if there was much in the memoirs because I would like to know what happened afterwards. Well, I read the Wikipedia. She okay. dies. Whoa, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming there's probably a story happening before she dies. I don't know how she writes it after she's dead. She can't write after she's dead, so yeah. we don't get to hear that story. The um, But I found the childhood interesting about these things that happen to us that shape us and, you know, yeah. we, like, I think everybody comes out of childhood a little bit scarred. It is And true. there was a line in that, in the book about... I find it. Yeah. Do you have it? Well, I thought I said. I remember it. we like had to stop the audiobook to <laughs> like write it down. Yeah, write it down. Yeah. I thought I had saved it under the quotes on yeah, Goodreads. Yeah, on Goodreads. But it's not there. Oh. 
I think I might have tweeted it. Okay, so it's from childhood. Yes. Whenever you turn, you run up against your own childhood and hurt yourself because it's sharp-edged and hard and stops only when it has torn you completely apart. It seems that everyone has their own and each is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a great line. I think that was the highlight of the book, that Mm. line. Yeah. I think that's most of what I remember of the book. Yeah. (laughs) But then there's also, in her youth, because she describes herself as, like, being a plain girl and nobody was interested in her and she was, like, desperate for male attention and then she, like, decides that she's, like, going to marry that old man who's going to edit her book but she hasn't even met him yet. Like, he's written her one letter. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to marry this guy. And she does. I think, does she marry him? Well, mm. they end up together, briefly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was interested in marriage. There was, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember, it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, which is why we should have recorded it in September. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> it's probably worth a read. It, it was fascinating. It's an interesting, I don't know how you go over a bit of memoir or a bit of, non-fiction biography yeah i think it's really i always find it really difficult to like critique and talk about because Mm. it's someone's life it's Mm. their hardship and their heartache that they're pouring out yeah but she won't hear this so no but it's still it is very real Mm. it was a great read i highly recommend it if you want to cry and feel depressed yeah because that's when you had your big um Moment. Yes. <laughs> I don't well, know what you call own, that. You had your own little breakdown in the car yeah. while we were listening. Yeah, it wasn't an existential crisis. It was more a spiritual crisis. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I took a nap. Like, we were, we were driving. We are on holidays. We're driving somewhere, and uh, we're listening to the book. I feel sleepy, so, like, let's stop the book. So, I put on a podcast about, and- what do you call it, deconstructing your childhood and religious past. Yes. And then when I wake up, he's like, I need to go to (laughs) counselling. Yeah. Pretty much. I don't think he said counselling. I think he said, I need to deconstruct my childhood. Yeah. I was like, what happened while I was asleep? (laughs) It was a combination of the two. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. (laughs) And then you were in that weird mood all day. It was a weird experience. You were like, leave me alone. I'm deconstructing my childhood. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if I really had gone into great detail on deconstructing my past as much as I did then. Yeah. But anyway, you did get counselling. Yes. Yeah. And you're feeling good now? Now that you brought it up, no. <laughs> oh, no. I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> I think it's a good reminder. Yeah. Are you going to go back to counselling? Maybe. I'm going to book some tomorrow for me. Yes. Good idea. Yeah. (laughs) Not to do with this book at all. No. I really enjoyed that book. Hmm. And I found it fascinating. That's good. Okay, so now I think you've got another few months of reading to tell us about. Another few months of reading? Yeah, tell us what else you've read in translation. Uh, That's a lot, isn't it? I don't know. Um, I'm currently reading The Books of Jacob by Olga Tatarczyk, which yep. is translated by Jennifer Coral. 
Yes. I'll go on the Nobel Prize for Literature. I want to say 2017? Mm-hmm. I think. I'm looking it up. Yeah, that feels all right. Oh, no, it was 2018 and she re- received it in 2019. Because they didn't give the Nobel Prize for Literature in 2018. They were because of the scandal. Yeah, they were redoing the judging panel, I believe. Mm. I can't remember exactly. But it was a bit of a problem because she then won it the same night as that other guy, Peter Henkel. Okay. And he was a bit of a controversial winner. Okay, I don't remember him. Yeah. Well, we won't go into details on that. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, I'm reading that. It's long. Okay. <laughs> and the page numbers are back to front. Yes, I'm on page 790. Yeah. Which means there's 790 pages to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. I feel like it's very relevant to today's world. Mm. A lot of religious... Rivalry between the Jews, the Catholics, and the Eastern Orthodox people, and then the Islamic have come in a little bit now. Mm. So that's fascinating. I can't really report on it. No. Although I have. <laughs> Maybe next time. Maybe you next can time. Give us your review. If I finish it. You're not going to finish it? No. I'll probably finish it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What else have I read? Translation. I did read the amazing book Eleanor Knows by Claudia Pinero, and she is a Argentinian author. Mm. She was translated by Francis Riddle. It's this amazing book. I think everyone should read it. Okay. I don't know if I want to give out too much details. That's fine. It uh, follows this story of this woman who's in advanced stages of Parkinson and she's Mm. trying to understand why her daughter had killed herself. She doesn't believe she's suicided and she's trying to find out what actually happened to her. Mm. And it goes into like her, it's all all happening one day in between her pills is how you mark out time. Yeah. (laughs) And she's just uh, reliving her memory and mm. what has happened and mm. trying to understand what was going on. Oh, I thought you didn't want to say. I <laughs> don't know if not saying anything would convince people to read it, but okay. I want to give them something. Yeah. But I can't give away everything. Okay. Well, that sounds good. It was, I think it was probably the best book I've read this year. Great. Who knows if that's going to be the case later on this year, but so far, yeah, it is going to be how, tough to beat. How many books have you read so far this year? Um, ten. Okay. But you also got the end of last year. End of so last year. So what was your, like, we also intended to do a wrap-up of 2021. Yes. So what was your best book of 2021? In the Dream House. Not okay. translated. <laughs> no. What was your best translated one? That's a good question. Uh, that would have to be translation as transhumanists, mm-hmm. which is a French book by Marielle Gensel and translated by Ross Schwartz. Mm-hmm. And this is a 
weird blend of memoir, essay collection, literary criticism. So she's talking about her life and she is a Jewish woman that grew up in Germany and Hungary, Austria. She had some life there as well. And like this was just before World War Two. And, and World War Two happened and she had to move away from that area. And it's talking a lot about translation and how important it is to her life because she's got Hebrew. I think they do a little bit of Yiddish and German and French and Austrian. Mm. All these languages are important and just translating them to understand the world and the people around her. And why translations are important. Mm. That sounds good. Yes, and that's from Feminist Press. I don't normally tell the publisher, but I like them. (laughs) You shouldn't tell the publisher. Yeah. We like to support publishers. Yes, I think it's a really interesting book. Do you want to know about the books that I read in translation? Uh, Yes, of course. Since we last recorded? Please. I uh, read, well, I finished... Cool and Maya, Keep Listening Everybody, by Mumu Mike Williams, which um, was written in his language. Um, I can't remember the name of his language, but he's Aboriginal. It probably just says here. He's part of the Anangu Aboriginal people. Jew Kerpa is their law. Okay. Anyway, so it tells his story about, you know, living in the middle of Australia and with the missions um, and then he's got a heap of art and poetry. He's translated it himself. Yeah, so it's a bilingual book. It's got origi- his original language and the English translation. Oh, that's awesome. And then I also read Two Sisters, Nigata and Jakuna. I apologise for my pronunciations. I don't know if that's correct. But So they're two Aboriginal sisters. They were part of a group in... Western Australia area, uh, they were very isolated. So right up until post-World War II, they still hadn't had contact with white people. So I think it was like the 60s. Yeah. Like they eventually were like leaving their communities to go to the towns and work on the farms. So the, these two sisters, they were quite, there was a quite an age gap between them. So one had left beforehand. She had got married and gone to live on the farm. And then the younger sister... Eventually, there was, like, nobody <laughs> left in the community. And there's these two guys that are going around killing people in other tribes. Uh, don't say tribes, do we? In other communities. Yes. They're just homicidal maniacs. So, eventually, they're just driven into the nearest white community. And then the two sisters reunite. Um, so, it tells both their stories. And one of them is written in language uh, and translated. But that lang- the original language is also in the book. So that's translated by Pat Lowe and Erilis Richards. They helped write that. Oh, the language in the book is Wal Majari. I do like these bilingual books that are coming out in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to read as many as I can. Yeah, when I see them. I think there's a few around. There, There is an uh, press, Aboriginal press, uh, Magabala books. Yes, that's so, one. Yeah, and they do a lot of kids' books as well. Yeah, they seem to be making really great content. So, 
it'd be good to support them. And if we ever get to Australia in Invisible Cities, <laughs> yes, these are the sorts of books I would recommend. Yes, exactly. Because mm. I don't know if um, it's something, uh, like, probably not enough Australians are reading this, let alone people outside Australia. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. So um, somebody in the Invisible Cities Discord did ask about them, so I did give the link and stuff, so. Awesome. Yeah. So I don't know if it interests anybody else. <laughs> anyway, back to you. Back to me. I uh, tried to think of highlights. Uh, what I did think of was No Fred But the Mountain mm-hmm. by Baharats Bokchani, and that was translated from Farsi by Omar Tafigan. And it's basically his writing from Madison's Prison, which is a, what do you call it, a refugee settlement yeah. camp, as they call it. Yeah, where we, we keep... um. Yeah, our, well, basically where we lock them up. Yeah. They call it a settlement. Off, offshore detention. Yeah, they we, don't we, call it offshore detention. They yeah, try they and call it... The media does, but the government calls it like a resettlement camp or something oh, like that. Do, well, that author never got resettled. No, and <laughs> that's why he calls it Mattis Prison, because yeah. it is basically a prison. Yeah. And he... It's basically his story that was smuggled out of the prison mm. by text message or WhatsApp messages from a phone he kept, kept hidden. Yeah. And just telling his journey to Australia and being kept in the prison and mm. what it was like to be treated that way. Yeah. But now he lives in New Zealand. Well, yeah. Not before he won the... What? It was a Victorian Premier Literary Prize, yes, and yeah. I think did he win the Australian one of the Australian Literary Prizes? I think so. Yeah, he Is he it... got all this recognition of being a great Australian writer, yeah. but he was never given citizenship. No, and he was kicked out. Yeah, so now I he's a he great was... New Zealand writer. Yeah. Um, that's right. <laughs> Which is sad for yeah. Australia, I guess. Yeah, well... I hope he's happy. I hope so. But yeah. It's weird that we want to give him all the literary prizes, but not accept I, him as a person. I feel like that's a really Australian thing to do. It is very Australian, but it's still sad. Absolutely. And we're still keeping lots of people in detention. So, yes. um, you know, there were... I just saw a tweet before about... Um, how the government says we don't have kids in detention anymore, but that's because they all became adults. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yes. So um, there was that whole tennis debacle where a tennis player had a visa issue and then he got put in the same place that the refugees are detained. And they've been, they've there, been there, for... there nine years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so not a great look. No. He got all the attention while everyone mm. else did that. Yeah, all these people went to protest to let him out and then they discovered that we had locked up all these other people since they were children. Trying to seek asylum. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, what happens here. Yeah, far too often. Yeah. They say that we don't have people in detention because they put them all offshore. Yeah, that's right, because if they let them into the country... Then they have to count them as people. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're counted as people, but they're not... Counted Our as... problem because they're not in the country. Yeah. Although but Madis they've Island, had, they've stopped. I think they've stopped all offshore detention. Well, Madis Island has closed down, even though there's still people there. 
Yeah, but are they just now Papua New Guinea's problem? Pretty much. We just handed it back to Papua New Guinea. It's their like, problem now. Yeah, here's some refugees for you. Yeah, it's like, they're still on the island. Not our problem. We've yeah. left. Yeah. Anyway, that's not the point of this podcast. Well, it was the point of the book. It's yes. terrible the way it we is. treat people, trying to flee such terrible mm. lives and they've been treated worse yeah. in Australia. Yeah, and so the reason you read that book is because it's mentioned in Who Gets to Be Smart by Brie Lee. That's correct, yeah. Which is not translated. It's no. an Australian English book. Um, but it looks at the, what do they call it, the Kiriaki? Is that the word she uses? I can't remember the actual anyway, word. It's just about um, how, um, you know, people with privilege get more opportunities to yes. be educated and hence they, we believe them to be smarter and how that cycle continues. Yes. So, um, yeah. And then, so, like, and Brie Lee is, like, you know, always trying to get further education and, you know, appease academia. And then she met the translator of that book and... They, like, had been to a writer's festival together, and he's just like, like, what, who, what are you trying to prove? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, like, you don't owe anything to the to the structure of education itself. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, it was hey. interesting to see how it had challenged her. Yeah, that that's right. And yeah. It's an interesting book mm. about all types of... Yeah. Would you recommend we... it to non-Australians, or do you think it's really Australian-specific? I think there's a lot in it that is very Australian, but mm. I think the concepts are very international, like people of privilege get to go to better schools and mm. get better education and better access to tutors and mm. counselling and yeah. after-school programs and... That's right. So many things that they get and better access to funding mm. to be able to go to better universities and better... That's right. Like, they do talk about a fund which could have funded thousands of people and mm. help them get tertiary education, but they only want to fund a few people. Mm. Just because it makes it more prestigious. Yeah, that's right. Even though they could help so many people yeah. get better educated. I think, like, I feel like Brie Lee has, I feel like her style feels really Australian. I don't know if that's because I'm Australian, so I just think everything's Australian. Um, but, like, because, like, Brie Lee's first book, Eggshell Skull, deals about, deals with child sexual abuse and the legal system. And I read it in the sa- at the same, not the same time, but one after the other, as Adelaide Bond's Little Girl in the Ice Lab, Yes. Translated by Tina Kova. And, um, and I feel like they touch on very similar things. They were both memoirs about their experiences of child sexual abuse and the legal processes that followed. Um, and Adelaide Bond's book is very French. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, I don't even know what I mean when I say that, but it's, yes. it's like this beautiful prose and, and Brie Lee's book is also beautifully written, but very Australian. But I just feel like it's this, it just feels Australian to me. She yeah. does. So I, I don't know what non-Australians 
feel when they read her books. No, well, I would love to get the perspective of somebody (laughs) who's not Australian. There was a moment in Who Gets to Be Smart where she called herself a stuck-up cunt. Yeah. So I don't think many people outside Australia would use that language to describe themselves. Yeah, I don't know. But that is a very Australian way to look at yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of other books worth talking about. There's masses of books that I've read. Yeah. Masses. There's tens of books. Tens of books. <laughs> um, some of the best ones weren't actually translated. Mm. Uh, but another one that I really can't stop thinking about is The Third Reich by Roberto Bellardio. That was translated by Natasha Wimmer, I think. Yes, she translates most of his stuff. Mm. That's one of his unfinished works. Yeah. And it's about a guy that's obsessed with this board game, which is the rise and fall of the Third Reich, I think it's called. Mm. Or is that the other book? (laughs) It's a war game thing. And he's, like, really obsessed with the strategies of how to win World War Two in this board game, okay. tabletop game thing. Mm. But he's, he's, like, his obsession kind of takes him over, mm. and it's his primary focus. And then he challenges someone to a game, and he slowly he's, he starts losing the game, and it... You could just watch him fall apart as a person and, mm. like, just try to understand his whole life, try to, what, like, try to grasp any value in his life as he's losing this game and, mm. and is really shifting his perspective. It's a fascinating book. It was unfinished when Roberto Bellardio died. Yeah. So, it's one of those books I found in his drawer of unfinished manuscripts, I think. Did they print it unfinished, or did they have someone finish it? uh, They printed it, they edited it, and then they printed it, I believe, unfinished. So, it doesn't quite work in the end. I feel like the ending Mm. needed to be tidied up and improved. But a lot of it was already finished. So it read well, but just watching the guy become unhinged and his life fall apart was really interesting. And, like, reading the book was fine. It was just thinking about that, the way he portrayed that afterwards, I think, was a highlight of the book. Mm. Yeah. Mm, Interesting. Some books are just better after you read them. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Do you have any others? I've read others, but I think none that I really want to highlight. Okay, that's fine. Don't talk about them. (laughs) Did you want to talk about Invisible Cities and what books you're doing next month or the month after? So Invisible Cities is this project that Michael's doing with some people from the internet. There's a whole group of them. There's a whole group of people, and they they have a couple of countries each month that they focus on, and they read books from that country and and try to explore the culture of that country by cooking food and listening to music and watching movies as well. Yeah, there's many ways to experience it. Have you done any of the countries so far this year? 
I have not. Okay. <laughs> I am currently reading a book from Singapore from January. Yeah. Ja- Singapore was in January, mm. but I didn't start until February because <laughs> I had to get it out of the library. And it's yeah. not even translated. It's written in English and it's set in America. And the <laughs> main character is half Lebanese, half Caucasian. <laughs> but anyway, because when I was reading about books from Singapore, I came across this article about Singaporean authors and how most of them don't set their books in Singapore. I yeah. don't know if this is true or not, but all the example there were five examples, and it was An Ocean of Minutes by Thea Lim. Um, it's, it includes time travel, so I was like, oh, I like time Anything travel. Anything to do with tra- travel? You so I um, am reading it, although I don't know if it fits the brief. <laughs> But she she's from Singapore. She's from Singapore, so it fits. Yeah. I think the advantage of this project is it leaves people to their own interpretation of how they want to experience mm. it. Yeah. And that could be just by watching movies or eating food. Yeah. Or reading a book from an author from that country. Yeah, that's right. So, um... Singapore and Algeria were January's... Yep. So I'm sure there's plenty of Camus happening yeah. in Algeria. Yeah. In February, we were doing Guyana and Uganda. Mm-hmm. I haven't read anything from there. Yep. And then March? March, we'll be doing Norway and the Dominican Republic. April is Zambia and Iran. And then in May, we are doing El Salvador and Ukraine. Are you going to read any of those books? Oh, I hope so. Okay. I want, my goal in life is to read at least one book from every country. Yeah, but are you going to do it next month? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's just a fun experience on Discord. Yeah. For people that don't know Discord, it feels like a forum to me. That's right. But there's other elements in Discord. Mm. They're cool people I recommend joining. And then while uh, we're talking about other countries, we should talk about Kuwait. Kuwait. Because somebody's listening from Kuwait because we charted in Kuwait podcast about books. For months. For months. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah. But hi, Kuwait. I don't know if it's just one of you. I don't know if listening to one podcast about books puts us in the charts. And now you've run out. So you're the real reason we made a new episode so you could <laughs> listen to it. But I don't know any books from Kuwait. So. Yeah, we'd love recommendations. I don't know if you know what's been translated into English, but. Let us know. Like, we'd love to hear from you. I think our contacts are in the show notes. Yeah, there's links to our Instagram, Twitter. Yes. And you can and reach email. out. I believe our email's in there as well. Yeah. So, yeah, whoever you are, it, it might be, it could be multiple people. It could be all of Kuwait. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we should read something from Kuwait. Because I did say in a previous podcast, whatever country we chart in, we'd read a book from. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's Kuwait. Now you have to look up Kuwait. I have read. to look up Kuwaiti books and find out what there is. I'm excited. Yeah. And then I can like cook some Kuwaiti food. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to read about war in Kuwait. Yeah. But I'm sure they have other experiences there. Yeah, I, I assume they do. They're probably not getting translated. I think a lot of the translations are probably going to be about the Gulf War. Mm. And I don't want to read about the Gulf War. Yeah. Okay, and then the other thing is that a publisher contacted us about a book called Ho- The Homecoming. 
which we planning to read. Yes, I've started it. Anna, it's by Anna Anquist, translated by Eileen J. Stevens. I believe that she's Dutch, the author. It's about James Cook. Now, in my imagination... James Cook is... James Cook is really English. Yes. It's not actually about James Cook. It's about James Cook's wife. Maybe she's Dutch. No, she's not. She's not? Not based on the what I read. <laughs> she was, like, born in England and married an Englishman who then keeps leaving the country. <laughs> keeps leaving the country and starting universities then, here. Yeah, well, he didn't start the university. <laughs> I but know. When the... the I, th- I think it was an agent who contacted us. Yeah. Um, um, Amazon Crossing. Yeah. I can't remember where. Sorry. <laughs> if you're listening. I remember. <laughs> what, do you remember her name? It's Kate. Katie. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for that. Yeah. So I'm enjoying what I've read so far. So I packed it for when we go. We were planning to go on a trip to Norfolk Island, which was named by James Cook. Yeah. After... after is named after Mary. Oh yeah, that's right, Mary. Uh, Howard, oh, yes. who lived in on somewhere called Norfolk. Yes. So he named it Norfolk Island. Now, I feel, if you're going to name something after me, use your real name. Don't call it the town I live in. <laughs> <Town's> <laughs> I don't know. It feels like a bit of a cop out. I wonder <laughs> if he just told multiple people in that town. Oh, I named it after you. Multiple um, women. Well, he could have told men as well. I don't know. Yeah. James Cook is a very prominent feature here because we have have a university named after him. So when we were approached about the book, I was really interested that it came from a Dutch author because I don't know what the connection is. I don't know if it's going to reveal itself. But, you know, the wife is the narrator of the story and she said um, about how, you know, her husband was one of the first people to set foot on New Holland. I was like, oh, yeah. The Dutch were one of the first white people to come. Yes. But I, I don't know if that's enough of a connection. It sounds like the Dutch were a lot more respectful. <laughs> they went, yeah, here's a nice place to stop for a little bit. We don't need to own it. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe the Dutch did terrible things as well. But not as bad. They didn't take the whole land and claim it. Yeah. Which was good of them. There are a few colonial themes coming through in the book. Um, I'm interested to explore it further. But anyway, we didn't get to Norfolk Islands because there was a um, cyclone and our flights got cancelled. Yeah, but we're still going to read the book, obviously. Oh, yeah, I'm still going to read the book. <laughs> but like, I like had imagined, you know, like taking a photo of me reading the book at the out- lookout at- on Norfolk Island and be like, Nor- Captain Cook was here and I'm here with the book. <laughs> We have an island off the coast here called Magnetic Island and his compass broke when he was here and he blamed the island. Yeah. He's like, it must be that island is magnetic and it's not. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, very strong character. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of tragedy. Like, he's got a wife at home. Like, you know, we celebrate how Captain Cook died on Valentine's Day when the Hawaiians... Got revenge. (laughs) But, you know, he's got a wife and kids at home. Yeah. And I don't know, like, there's no mobile phone. You know, it it would take years for her to get that news, probably. She's probably hasn't seen much of him in her life either. She, like, she sees him, like, three months of the year. (laughs) She's like, from what I've read, is, like, she gets, like, he comes home... 
she enjoys the sex <laughs> and then gets pregnant gets pregnant yeah and then he leaves again before she has time to get sick of him yeah but then he decides to start traveling over to australia and that they're three-year trips yeah and that's too long for her to go without sex yeah not without uh, him, without sex. I, uh, I think I think it's specifically sex with him. Okay. I don't think she's had sex with anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's very early on in the book. Yeah. Well, there'll be a show about her sex life coming up in the future. A show about her sex life? Well, a podcast episode. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll do... When you talk specifically of her sex life and nothing else. Well, maybe she never has sex again. <laughs> And it's like her favorite thing about him is, anyway, <laughs> the phrasing is really interesting. <laughs> anyway, so far, I'm enjoying the writing. Yeah, and I feel like I'm learning something. So I'm interested. I'm keen to yeah. read more, and I'm hoping we'll do an episode about it. Exactly. Yeah, we should leave it off there. Yes, uh, we. Are looking for people that want to be on the podcast to make it a bit easier. Yes, because I can't read fast enough. You could host and talk to them, or I could host and talk to them. You've got multiple people you could talk to. Yeah. And that way we share the load and get different voices and different yes. perspectives on books. Yeah. So there's a couple of people who are interested. There are. So... Hopefully they'll actually follow through. Well, Rachel said she wanted to be on another podcast episode from our last episode. Yep. So hopefully we get her back. Hopefully. And that'll be fun. There's a couple of other people. Yep. Some TikTok people, I think, yeah. that might be on. I'm excited Excellent. for. Yep. So hopefully, I know one that's planning to read some interesting books and i'm hoping to get him on to talk yeah. about them yeah and so if you're interested let me know or let michael know yeah i'm not the boss you could let any of us know yeah we both have access to the email and the social media so yeah you can address it to whoever you want yeah, that's all right okay thanks for listening thank you if you want to support Lost in Translations, please go to patreon.com forward slash translations pod and all money there will help support the show. And please remember to subscribe and while subscribing, please rate the show. This will help others find the podcast. All our links to social media are in the show notes and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and let's see under translations pod. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Walgarukabar and Bindal people. We acknowledge their ownership of this land and all the traditional owners in Australia and acknowledge their care of the land. This is a Macaulay Flower production.